All right, so we're in a series. It's called Hello, I'm a Christian in Name Only. And uh, I wanted to start off and apologize. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, I want to apologize because I, I haven't really spent a lot of time, I think. I honestly don't think I spent a lot of time describing what this series is about. Um. I think you see the slides, and then you hear the words, and I, you know, when I, when I first started off, I told you I was taking everything, I was taking my cues out of a book that I, I had read once, um, called The Christian Atheist, um, but I wanted to explain it a little bit more, and one of the things that I was always taught is that one of the best ways to explain something is to throw up a 12 slide, uh, with 12 bullet points on a PowerPoint, and just really make people sit through that. No, that's not at all the case. Sorry. I'm going to tell you a story. Is that okay? Do you like stories better than PowerPoints? Yeah. Man, so do I. Don't you wish your teachers would teach in stories a lot more? Yeah. The junior hires agree. <laughs> Projects. Do a project. There you go. Can I tell you about a project that I do? So, um... Other than what I do here with you guys, which I absolutely love. This is my primary job. I love it. I do this probably, how many hours do you think I put into this every week? At least 50 hours a week. No joke. But I'm going to be vulnerable and honest with you, and I really don't care who hears it because it's going on the internet. I, I'm, I'm still broke. <laughs> and the reality is, is that I've talked to Leah about this before, and the reality is, is I can see the end of the, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, and I know that God has us in the right place, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not pushing for like a pay raise or anything. Please don't take that, 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 that way. I, I, I believe in working off, I believe in working off your debts, okay? I believe it in 100%. You made a bad choice. The bad choice was to go into debt. It's a bad choice. It's always a terrible choice to go into debt. Um, I mean, I, you know, sometimes you can, you can justify it with, like, student loans. You're like, well, you're investing in yourself. Or you go, oh, I'm going to buy a house. I'm investing in a house. I'm not going to get into that. I'm not going to tell you all about that. That's between you and Jesus. But what I will tell you is that I made a lot of really stupid mistakes as an adult to take on financial decision, financial debt that I, I honestly couldn't pay. And I thought I could. In fact, I even got jobs that would be able to pay it off. And I'm like, yes, I'm going to be able to pay this off. But when I went out and looking for a job, I, I, I went, God, I really just need a, I, I'm not looking to be an uber millionaire. I don't want that. I really don't even quite know what I would do with all of that. I mean, obviously you give it away. I've, I've heard that a hundred times. I, I don't have a whole lot of ex experience at being a millionaire. Um, at least Leah's laughing. I think that might be a nervous laugh. She's wondering where I'm going to go with this. Um, but here's the thing, is that where we are, if I can work off this silly debt that we have going on in our family, the church provides for us perfectly. Perfectly. Let me be very clear. Perfectly. Okay? So I'm not vying for a raise. I don't want one. It'll mess everything up right now. <laughs> but here's what I do as a part-time gig. And a lot of pastors do this. If you, if, you ever go, if you ever go ask a bunch of young pastors what they do for part-time gigs, 
Um, you'll either hear them that they write articles or they do different things. Um, but one of the big ones is going and driving for a rideshare service. And so that's what I do. You'll hear me talk about that I ride, that I drive for certain um, rideshare services. I don't even know if I can say their names. How about I just say Burr and Yift? Then you understand. Because um, it's going online. I don't want any issues. But I do this in Bismarck. I go out what once a week is what I'm scheduled to go out once a week, usually on Fridays, which is my day off. Because, you know, if you're going to pay off your debt, you you sacrifice your time, your personal time to do that. I believe that 100%. You work yourself out of debt. So that's what I'm doing. I'm working myself out of debt. So I go out and I drive Uber and live, and, and I do that. And, um, man, this is going to be tough, y'all. I might have to edit this. So I, I drive for them, and you know what? Every drive that I do, every ride that I do, it works out exactly the same way. You would think it's very different because people are very different. But, well, it, it is different between some folks. But anyway, I drive up to people's house or business or wherever I'm picking them up, bars usually. And I pick them up. I, and I, in my van, you hit a little button on the front, on the front, and it slides the door open. They absolutely love that the door opens for them. And I'm like, my kids have never known anything different but a van with doors that open for them. Do you know how hard it is for me to remind my kids to close the, the, the door when they're in the front of the van? Anyway. Go close the door. What well, doesn't close for me? No. You got to hit the button or slam it or whatever. Do whatever you got to do. Close the door. We have not helped our kids by having sliding doors. I'm just saying. But here's the deal. It works out the same, same way. I open the door and some stranger I have never met before in my entire life gets into my vehicle. The vehicle I drive around with my kids. And they're impressed that I have four children and my van looks so nice. I'm impressed it looks so nice. And everyone's kind of nervous. And people handle their nerves a little bit different. I mean, think about it. It wasn't that long ago I remember hearing a story about how when a, when a man comes up to you and says, would you like a ride, you don't get in the car. Do you remember that? And now some creepy guy who you've never met before is opening the door to your vehicle and you're just getting in while you're staring at your phone. And, it, and, and a couple different things happen. People get very nervous. They either are very, very quiet for the entire ride staring at their phone. Because that's what people do nowadays. They stare at their phones. Or they start talking. Those are the fun ones. Usually the ones you pick up from the bars, they, they don't look at their phones. They just start talking. Usually the ones you're picking up the morning after the bars, those are the ones that aren't talking. But those that do talk, they talk about their life. They talk about this that, the other thing. What was it? The other day I had a guy in the car. He's talking to his soon-to-be ex-wife. Can you imagine how that conversation was going? I wasn't apparently in the vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> we got to anoint that van, I'm telling you. Because, <laughs> I mean, there's some words coming out of, of the passenger's mouth, and you're kind of going, man, if my kids ever said that in the back of the van, I'd pull over and, and swat them. But apparently that doesn't get you five stars. So I don't do that to the passengers, and they, they do that. They talk about what's going on in their life. I had a bunch of people, you know, I love drinking this stuff, or... 
man, that was a great night last night. I'm upstairs in the hotel room. I'm like, dude, there's a lot of things in this world I want to know, and that's not one of them. So people talk about all this stuff. They'll talk about, you know, I'll engage them and try to get them off that topic. I'm like, oh, what do you do for a living? Or especially in the morning when I'm taking them to work. And most of them, most of the folks I drive to work, they work in the service industry. They work either in restaurants or whatever it is. So I'm dropping them off. And, uh, but eventually, if the, if the ride is long enough, it, it usually happens about a dozen times a day, the, 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 it finally gets around where they get curious about me. And they said, so do you do, do, you, do, you, do you, all, all the time? Do you drive this all the time? And I go, well, no. I usually only do this once a week. It's just to, to make up some extra money to help pay off some debt and, you know, bring some money home for my family to help, you know, correct issues I've made in my past. And, you know, it's part of paying the piper. Oh, yeah, really? So what do you do? And I said, I'm a pastor. <laughs> You're what? It gets super quiet after that. For about five seconds. For about five seconds, I think they're in complete and utter shock. They get completely quiet. And then they start spouting off like that one memory verse they knew from when they were in kids' church back 20 years ago or whatever it was. And, oh, I just just love Jesus. They can't get the name out half the time. Um Oh man, it is fun. But every once in a while, you get you get you do pick up some folks, and they are believers. I I met I've met several people. I was driving them to work, and and they I had, I met two of them on the same day. They were graduates of teen teen and adult adult and teen challenge in Bismarck. Man, those guys they have a life. Man, they have a story. I wish that ride was longer, and I could hear more. But you know, I wanted to get five stars, so you get them where they're going. They got to get to work too. So, but. Here's, so, their vocabulary changes. Their stories change. But you want to know why I actually enjoy doing this? It's always good to enjoy what you do, even if it's your part-time gig. Do you want to know why I actually enjoy doing this? And I might actually keep doing it. I don't know if I will. We'll see. It keeps me grounded. It helps pop on a regular basis my church bubble. I think sometimes, and I'm, I mean, as a doctor or in the, in the medical profession, you get to see some interesting people too, I'm sure, to help keep you grounded. Maybe the folks you work with help keep you grounded. I'm sure there's some pet owners that help keep you grounded, right? By the way, I love your commercial. <laughs> it's on YouTube all the time. The Blue Cross Blue Shield commercial, I love it. I'm like, I know her. (laughs) Wow, this is definitely a family service. But here's the deal. There are more people out there than just church people. And one thing that always gets my attention about these folks, as soon as I tell them I'm a pastor, they they suddenly turn into a Christian. And... um, You know, I think some people have attached themselves into a lie. They think they are. But what does the word Christian mean? It means simply this, to be Christ-like. Right? And so that's why I I titled this series Christian in Name Only. 
because people tend to throw that around. I remember when I first started dating Leah, I used, and this is a story, right? You know where I'm going with this. So when I first started dating Leah, um, I made a big mistake. Just, just only a couple weeks into our relationship, I made a big mistake, and I told her I loved her. Our relationship was almost over at that point. She said, you don't know. I mean, you could tell your perspective on it if you want, honey, but, man, I think it was one of those words. I realized in that moment that that was one of those words in a relationship with a girl. I would throw that around, and honestly, a lot of times, most of the time, I'd throw that word around to manipulate them. Guys, you know what I'm talking about. Girls, you know what I'm talking about. And we, we find people who say they're Christians and for some reason they think they are because they've said it. Here's what I know. I, now, I'm not, I'm not anyone's judge and I'm not God, but I, I, have, I have a saying that I've grown up with and it's a pretty important saying and I've used it a lot in my life when it comes to discernment. If it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck and it swims like a duck... It's a duck. If you walk like a Christian and you talk like a Christian and you surround yourself with God, you're probably a Christian. But if you don't, you're probably not. Ooh. You heard that pin drop? See, this isn't judgment, it's discernment. And nowhere in our culture is our personality. This is a personality thing. Who we are. Nowhere in our culture is this, is this aspect of our personality shown out more than in how we handle our money. Many of us categorize our spending into what we call a budget, Right? Budgets are super, 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 super important. Can I, can I, can I, see, I, all right. This is the altar, right? I'm going to talk about money and about God, so it's okay that I use the altar to do this, okay? All right? I have an important saying about sacred cows. We were talking about sacred cows earlier about something else. I said, here's, here's my thing about sacred cows. I heard this in a song by Audio Adrenaline. You need to hear this. I don't, my guy died on the cross, not at McDonald's. Okay? Unlike, unlike the altar and showbread altar and all that stuff that was in the Old Testament, this, this table right here was not there. This was made by a company that puts together altars. Okay? So I'm going to be using this. For my, for my lesson today, but I don't want anyone walking away. So this goes back to the whole pastor's thing where everyone, we always want people to like us. I don't want you to think that what I'm about to do is bad. This is all about the message. This is about the Word of God. All right. I just broke someone's heart because I threw money on the altar. Ooh. All right. So here I got $10 cash, right? So let's talk about money. We're believers in here, right? So we know what the Bible says. The Bible says what? 
We're supposed to give 10%, right? So we're going to put our budget together right now. So we're believers are supposed to give 10%. We already know about that. We already know about tithing. So we take that. We $10 here. How much is how much is 10%? $1. We put $1 right there because that's, that's God's money, right? It's not our money. It's God's money. We're just giving it back to him. And if we don't give it back to him, we're stealing from him. That's what the Bible says in Malachi. If we don't give him his money, what he said is his, we're stealing it. Don't steal from God. Would you take money out of the offering plate? Then why wouldn't you put it in the offering plate? It belongs to him anyway. All right, so then then we got, uh, okay, so now how much money do we have left? We got $9, okay? So let's say, let's say okay, what's the, ne- what's the next budget item? What's the next big budget item, the thing that you have to pay? What's that next thing? You got to pay for your house, right? So you got your rent or you got your, you got your mortgage, right? Man, I hate that thing. All right, because I still have a mortgage. <laughs> how much? How much of this? How much of this nine dollars do you think is your mortgage? Three or four? Man, y'all are good. One, two, three, four. <laughs> Let's just be honest. It's four. All right. So what we got left? Math majors. We got five bucks. We got five bucks back. Five bucks left. What do we have left? Car payment. How much is that? Let's be honest, it's $2 because y'all wanted a nice truck. <laughs> I want a nice truck, but I got to wait. All right, so I got $3 left. Wait a minute. I hear a phone, I hear a phone ringing. Yep, got a cell phone bill. All right. <laughs> and then we got utilities. And then what's this for? Food, entertainment, whatever else, right? All right. How much of this is God's? All of it. Wow, I'm glad I didn't have to teach you all that. You already knew it. (sighs) This is all God's. All of it. How much did he ask for back? 10%. That means we could do whatever we want with the rest of this. This represents our choices. Did you have to buy that house? No. You could have lived in a van down by the river. Half y'all got that joke. The other half have no idea what I'm talking about. (laughs) Actually, I I show them that video. (laughs) Junior high camp, that's what happens. But all of this represents our choices and what we do with it. But who, who does it belong to? God. But what does he do with it? He says, you can figure out what you want to do with it. What if God came to you and said, you know, I know I asked, I, I know you have to give your 10%, but I, I really want it all this time. What are you going to do? Oh, don't say that. Don't say that. Because that, that requires a level of what? Faith. Why? Because if you don't, if you give all that money away, What's well, not going to get paid? You're like, my mortgage isn't going to get paid. My lights are going to get turned off. My car's not going to get paid for. Uh, my cell phone's going to get shut off, and, and, and I'm not going to eat. Does that sound like the God we serve? Money's a tool. You ever notice that? Money's a tool. And what we use our money on is completely different. I want to remind you of something. God 
has it all. Not only does he have all your money, he has everyone else's money. And he has everybody else's stuff. Everything is his. You know this iPad? You're like, well, Apple made that iPad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but who made the materials that went into the iPad? You want to take this back and back and back and back. I'll be like, look, it came down to one word. Let there be light. It all started there. And see, that's the thing. We prioritize these monies, our choices, because that's what money represents. It represents our choices. It represents the things that we care about. In fact, Luke chapter 12, verse 34 says this, wherever your treasure is, there's your heart and thoughts will also be. Where's your heart? Where are your thoughts? That's where your treasure is. Yeah, I alluded to earlier that I'm working my tail off 50, 60, 70 hours a week sometimes. I figure that's fair since I've got farmers and ranchers in the church and y'all are working your tails off too. I might as well contribute to the sweat equity in this building, right? Right? I mean, you guys work hard. That's a, re- that's a redefinition in my mind. So when I work 70 hours a week doing church stuff and then going and driving in Bismarck, I don't give it a second thought. Because I'm asking you guys to come to church and be a part of this thing. I might as well do it too. Otherwise, I'm a hypocrite. I can't stand up here and ask you guys to volunteer for stuff if I'm not working my tail off. That's not right. But God is the God with the cattle on a thousand hills. Dave, I'm going to get you involved. Sorry. How many hills do you have on your property? Hills. Just take a guess. 20. How many, cattle, how many head do you have? 300 head? How many, how many head do you think you could have with 1,000 hills? <laughs> More? <laughs> I love that answer. How about God-sized hills? I'm just saying, do you know that phrase? That phrase literally means God has everything. You ain't got to worry about a thing. By the way, that sacred cattle thing just came back up again. Cattle on a thousand hills. But what we spend our paychecks on determines what our hearts and hearts are all about. What our thoughts are all about. Think about this money. How often in our marriages or in our lifetime do we worry about this stuff? We worry about our cell phone bills, and we worry about our power bills, and we worry about paying for our cars and paying for our mortgages or paying off our agricultural loans or whatever we're getting. We worry about these things. God's the God of a cattle on a thousand hills. Our priorities are what we spend our money on. And God puts it this way. 2 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Now, I'm not saying debt, but man, debt will pierce you. The love of money. How many of you ever heard that money's evil? Be honest. Now, the, now y'all that were in youth group, you already know this part because I talked about this on youth group. Youth, 
Oh, you weren't, you weren't there, were you? Oh, well, here you go. This is what I talked about. Money is not evil. It's not. I mean, there's a lot to, there's a lot to a dollar bill. Did you know there's an owl on the dollar bill? Yeah, Abby knows because I showed him on Wednesday night. Did you know there's an owl on the dollar bill? If you ever, ever if you ever get a look, look at look at the dollar, the one on the top right, and on the left corner, if you get really close, you can see there's a little owl up there. There's a lot to a dollar bill. There's a lot of different security things. I watched an entire little YouTube thing on what this is. Did you know that this isn't the this isn't the uh, the all seeing eye from the Illuminati like they think it is? Back in the uh, 18th century. That, that triangle up there with the eye in it represented God and that he watches over everything. We have this little phrase on the back of our $1 bill just above it that says, in God we trust. On the silly thing that we use and we worry about having enough of it is the words, in God we trust. Did we forget that? You ever try to hammer a nail in with a with a with a dollar bill? It doesn't work. Breaks the dollar. In fact, that broke the kids' hearts a little bit. I heard I, I, I almost heard the air come out of the room. I said, look, this thing is kind of a useless thing on its own. I ripped a dollar. I go to jail for that, so please don't tell me. Wait, it's online. Um I got it replaced. But here's the thing. It's just paper. Well, it's cloth. It's just ink. That's not your provider. That's the tool your provider uses. And you are the handyman. You're the handy woman. A hammer doesn't do a doggone thing without someone swinging it. One day at a church, they had a noise coming from their walls. They didn't know what it was coming from. It was a rattling noise. And uh, they're walking around, and they're trying to find this rattling noise. They couldn't find it, couldn't find it, couldn't find it, couldn't find it. And finally, they're like, it's, it's, in, it's in this area. So let's imagine it's, it's coming from this wall right here. They're like, it's coming from this, this area right here. If only we could just tear the wall out and figure out what's going on. And they're like, well, that's a terrible idea because... That'd be an expensive exploratory thing for us to do. So what'd they do? They hired someone. They hired someone who came out. He was a carpenter and been doing it for probably 50 years. He came out with his tool belt, and he's listening. He's looking at the wall, and he's like, oh, yeah. He takes out a 10-penny nail out of, his, out, of his, out of his belt, takes his hammer, knocks the sucker in. Sound is gone gone and they're like that's amazing you did you did amazing things that i mean that's been bothering us for months that's been an issue we've had for years and he said all right well here's my bill it was item and it was for five hundred dollars and they went what yeah five hundred dollars they're like, you just put one nail in. Can we get that itemized? You can hear the accountants talking. Can we get that itemized? And he said, sure. He wrote it out. 
Nail. Ten cents. <laughs> Knowing where to put it. $499.90. You notice he didn't get he didn't get charged for the hammer either. The hammer's just the tool. Knowing what to do with it. Knowing what to do with the tool. That's where the value is. So if your value, if your heart and your thoughts and everything about yourself is to make sure that you've got your mortgage paid and your bills paid and you got that cool cell phone and you got that other stuff going on and you got all those things going on, if that's where your heart is, that's your reward. That's your reward. But if you know where to put that stuff, you could put it in there. You could, put, you could use that tool to make that thing happen that solves that problem in someone else's life. Or maybe it solves problems in your own life. And the reward is when you get paid from the kingdom. How much did that 10-penny nail cost him? 10 pennies. But God is a multiplier. He takes what we give him and he multiplies it. So we have to be faithful with all of it. Luke 16, 13 says this, because I don't want to miss any of the scripture. No one can serve two masters, for you'll hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and be enslaved to money. Don't let money rule you. It's a tool. I mean, you want me to go get a hammer and be like, serve the hammer. That'd be weird. But that's what we do. We serve Verizon. Or we serve MDU. Or we serve Penny Mac. That's the people who own my house. They own my house until I pay it off. That's how that works. <laughs> Or Fed Loan Servicing. I don't know if you all have that for your student loans. That's fun. Or the IRS. You serve them. The question is, are you serving them? Or are you serving God? Because if you serve God, God wants you to pay your bills. Don't get me wrong. Unless God has specifically told you, stop paying your bills and start giving your money to the church. Please don't do that. <laughs> that. That is not at all what I'm saying. I, um, I, I looked in the mirror this morning, and I promise you, I am not the Holy Spirit. Um, God is interested in your heart. When you pay that mortgage, are you paying it because you're, because you're doing what God has commanded you to do? Do you live in the house that he wants you to live in? Are you honoring God with your money by paying for that? Because, yeah, you got to pay these things. When you, pay your, when you pay your bills, have you consulted God on whether or not you should have Internet in your house? Maybe you shouldn't. 
Maybe you should. Sometimes that's a really easy thing to, to go through. You just be like, God, should I have internet? Maybe he says something, maybe he doesn't. Sometimes he gives you discretion. That's part of being a steward. Not only not all the times does the master come in and give you what he's going to tell you to do. Sometimes he's just going, just take care of it. God is not a micromanager of your life. He's the leader and owner of your soul. He wants that. He doesn't want to micromanage your minutes. There's even more verses about money. I'm going to tell you right now, but it all boils down to this. God isn't interested in your money. He's interested in your heart. I'll tell you one more story. There was a man worked really, really hard all of his life. And, of course, he did the right thing. He listened to talk radio and uh, heard, a, heard, a, heard, a word about, heard a word from talk radio. They should invest all your money in gold. You ever hear those commercials? Put your money into gold because gold never loses its value. It's a rock. Actually, it's an, it's an alloy. <laughs> anyway, it's a metal. And um, he says, all right, I'm going to do that. So he takes all of his money, all of his stuff, and he invests it in gold. And he goes out and he buys bars of gold. Bars of, have you ever seen a bar of gold? You should definitely check one out sometime. They're really, really heavy. Very, very pretty. And all sorts of temptations come to your brain. In that moment, you start envisioning, like, Fort Knox-level sin <laughs> in that moment. But it's really, really fascinating seeing gold. Um, we had some of it. We had a lot of it in Iraq because dollars wouldn't exchange, and you had to find you had to use something real to exchange with for the exchange rate in Iraq whenever you would give money to them because they didn't have a bank. We kind of blew it up. Um, but anyway, so this man, he collects up all these bars of gold, and he puts it in a suitcase. And this is a bit of a hyperbole. So he goes into heaven, and he's got his suitcase with him, because of course you can take your money with you, right? And he gets up to heaven, and uh, by the way, you cannot take your money with you. Oh, pastors, we always want to be liked. Um, You can't take your money with you, but he has his suitcase full of bars of gold, and he goes up to heaven, and he's carrying it around. He's so proud of himself, because he saved all this money. He He did the right thing in his mind. And he gets up to Peter, and he says, Peter, check it out! I made it to heaven! He's like, Yay! Because he's very happy for him too, right? And he says, but check it out, check it out, check it out. I brought this with me. I'm going to give it to Jesus. And he says, cool, what's in the bag? He opens it up. And Peter goes, you're going to give a box of gravel to Jesus? Guys, do you know what the roads in heaven are made of? Do you guys get it? This is dirt. These are bricks in heaven. You walk on these. (laughs) Thank you, Aiden. (laughs) Those are bricks. You walk on them. Jesus isn't impressed with your gravel. He's impressed with your heart. He doesn't need your money. Why does God need your money? He doesn't need your money. That's what the questions, that's what the name, that's what the name of this service is all about. 
what does God need money for? He doesn't. He doesn't need your money. I'm telling you right now, if y'all, and I want to tell you something. This is a very, very giving church, and I am immensely grateful for that. I'll be honest. We would not be here today if it wasn't for the fact that you guys are so generous. But I'm telling you right now, if you decided to walk out of this room and never give money to this church ever again, God would still be on the throne. And you're not hurting anyone but yourself. It's true. He gives it to us to steward over. I've said this before about 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 tithing, because we, you know, I don't. This is the first message I've ever done on tithing, and I thought, well, this is gonna be an interesting Sunday because I've never talked to them about tithing before, and you got to do it at some time, right? As a pastor, tithing is paying the rent for the planet you live on and the air that you breathe. God made it. He owns it. He's the landlord. He can change it whenever he wants. Kind of sounds like a landlord to me. A really good one. But this is your rent. It's, it's his. We're immensely blessed as a church. The hearts of the folks in this church are made evident every single time I sit down with the board and 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 the board and 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 the uh, and the treasurer gives me his report. Bookkeeper gives me his report, and I go, you know, we may still be in the red, and we are, but we're heading in the right direction, and that's a good thing. Because think about think about this with me. Money's a tool. But how many of you guys like working without your tools? It's hard. Have you ever tried to install a floor in a house and you don't have the right kind of tools? <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? <laughs> it is. <laughs> we, we've been learning that one. <laughs> have you ever tried to put a nail in with a screwdriver? <laughs> you look silly. That is tough. Yeah, that helps. It's tough. Have you ever tried to do kids' ministry without curriculum? When you're not trained in these things? I mean, I honestly, I could, I could, pull, one out of, I could pull one out tomorrow and do it. But I've, I've got other jobs I've got to do. That's why we pay for a curriculum. Do you have a passion on your heart to reach our community? To help with the opioid epidemic in our community? To help families that are in need? They're the nail. And sometimes as a church, we see the need, and all we got is a screwdriver, and man, are we going to bang away at that nail as much as we can. It may take a long time, but we're going to get that nail in. We're going to do, do the right thing. I'm going to tell you right now, church, we need to do the right thing. But at the same time, we've got to get the right tools. Why do we have curriculum for kids' ministry? Why? Really simple. 
because the folks that are in kids' ministry and doing Sunday school and all that, you guys didn't go to school for this. I did. I mean, I could I could pop this stuff out in a minute, but I don't. It's not. It wouldn't be a minute. It'd, it'd be a southern minute, which takes a lot longer. You know, in a minute, it takes a long time. That's like like a month. I mean, it would take me six months to write a six month curriculum. I wouldn't get anything else done either. But that's just because that's what I'm good at. I could work in the medical field tomorrow. I could go to your clinic and work with people and listen to their heart. I have no idea what I'm doing. And be like, and eventually, you know, I mean, even a bad shot makes it on the target every once in a while. I think you have a cold. It's tuberculosis, but hey, who knew? (laughs) I could go out on the ranch and be like, how do I get on a horse and ride it? I'll be honest, I've never ridden a horse. Well, I rode a horse at the county fair, but that doesn't count. I was a lot younger. I haven't done it since. I've also ridden an elephant, but I don't claim to be an elephant rider. So here's the thing. It is always better when you have the right people and you have the right tools. Now, be faithful. Be faithful with that. God doesn't require anything but 10%. If you're paying it, great. Keep it up. Jesus says, good, you should be doing that. He was talking to a bunch of he was t- talking to a bunch of Pharisees once, and they said, "Yeah, should we be tithe? Should we we do all this, that, and the other thing?" They're like, "We I always tithe. I always do this, and I even give ten percent of my spices." Great, you should continue doing that, but also do these other things in addition. Act in peace and act in love. Act in understanding towards people. Do that too. You're like, well, tithing is an Old Testament thing. Did you know God doesn't change? (laughs) God doesn't change. And Jesus never said, don't tithe. Believe me, I tried to have that conversation with my pastor before. It did not go well. My life got better after I started tithing. We can talk about, I'll shoot, I'll talk about tithing all week because I've been listening to stories about it all week too. But here's the thing. You've got to be faithful. God's not interested in your money. He's interested in your heart. If your heart's in the right place, then your money will be in the right place. Okay? So be faithful. That's all I got. It's really simple, right? All I have in my notes here, and you notice how I haven't been looking at my notes very much because I've actually got this on my heart. It's been a very passionate thing. Most of these sermons, actually all these sermons in this series have been very passionate for me. Um, all I got left on here is, is, is the word pray. So let's do that. Lord God, you see our hearts. You know what's in them. You know what it looks like. Lord God, I pray that you would change our hearts and change our minds and keep them. Put them and keep them in line with you. Lord, this isn't my my attempt to convict anyone or to say something or call anyone out. I'm not interested in that. I'm not their judge. You are. Communicate to them, God, 
Have them hear you. God, you don't, you don't care about our money. You care about our heart. But this tool that you've given us, this money that you've given us, God, this is how we show. This is how we express our obedience to you. And I pray for everyone in this room. If they're in a situation where things are tough, I pray, Lord God, that you will show them a way out of the tough. That you will show them grace. That you'll give them the energy to wake up every single morning and push for that. Because I know, Lord God, that at the end of all of this, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And that light is heaven. And Lord God, we don't want to present bricks of gold gravel to you. We want to present our heart. The only thing that matters. The only thing that a thousand the cattle on a thousand hills can't provide. I pray, Lord God, that we'll, that we'll see value in the people around us. Not as a source of income. Not as a source of anything. But we see them as your valuable creation. And that we'll seek after them as much as you seek after them. The passion that we feel sometimes about trying to acquire more things or get more money or whatever it is, that we'll instead stare at that and go, wow, this stuff, we can't drag it with us to heaven, but we sure as heck can bring a lot of people to heaven with us. Help us to get perspective on that, God. Thank you for who you are, all you do, in your name. Amen. All right. <sighs> Should we take up offering now? <laughs> Actually, uh, we'll just do this. Let's just, ha- let's just have the plate in the back of the room. We'll just put it on one of the pews. That'll be fine. If anyone has anything, just drop it in the plate, and we'll make sure that it gets to the right place, get counted up. Um, I'm, I'm good. Thanks, honey. Um, amen.